0: outcomes of COVID-19 illness this winter. To find COVID-19 vaccine locations near you, text your zip code to 438829. Call 1-800-232-0233 or go to wjffradio.org where you'll find a vaccine locator and COVID tracker. Radio Catskill, keeping you connected.
1: Support comes from Jeff Bank, Sullivan County's Community Bank, celebrating 110 years of service this year. Offering deposit and loan products for all your banking needs. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. National Mortgage Licensing System and Registry Identification Number 405318. Jeff Bank. Still banking strong. And support comes from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org.
0: Good evening and welcome to the Local Edition. Live from Radio Catskill Studios, in Liberty, New York, I'm your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. Coming up, we'll get uh, Aileen Gunther, Assemblywoman for New York's 100th Assembly District. We'll get her reaction to Governor Hochul's State of the State address yesterday. First, it's uh, time for the latest news from The River Reporter. It's our weekly news roundup. And for that, we turn to Ruby Rayner of The River Reporter. Ruby, Happy New Year. How are you doing? Happy New Year,
2: Jason. Thanks for
0: having me. So um, I think we should start off the year talking about what's going on in Sullivan County's governance, uh, especially as there's a new legislature coming in and all that good stuff. Where do you want to start?
2: Um, Let me tell you about all of the different things that are going on regarding the county attorney.
0: Sounds good.
2: Okay, cool. Um, So I guess there's two main things to know. One, the former county attorney, Michael McGuire, who has been super controversial, is no longer the county attorney. The new legislature last week appointed um, Robert Freehill as the temporary county attorney and they're going to be interviewing people throughout this month and appointing a new county attorney. And Robert Freehill isn't interviewing in this process. He's just holding that, that office um, in the interim.
0: Okay. And so are there any recent developments in the situation where there's, I I think what surprised me going into the end of the year was hearing uh, that the, the the county attorney wanted to remain the county attorney and maybe come back as a county attorney has that gone anywhere? Yeah, so
2: I I haven't. The legislature, to my knowledge, hasn't said anything about whether they're considering Mr. McGuire to be reinstated. But from not keeping him, you know, while they're looking for someone new, points to me that that doesn't really seem. Like, it's going to happen. And additionally, this past week, um, there was a big grand jury that concluded about the county attorney's, the county attorney office and their involvement with um, Child Protective Services. And this came from a controversial incident in which Mr. McGuire was the county attorney during this time. So... Between those two things, I don't foresee that happening, but of course, I guess it's possible
0: now um, so what do we know then because there was originally there was a disagreement there was different sides saying different things uh, in terms of that contention so is that is that whole issue resolved in terms of what they were looking into?
2: Um, so not completely to give some just quick background. Um, this came out of the really horrible death, um, which was a fatal overdose of a 16-month-old baby um, on May 2nd in 2023, so last year. And um, the district attorney, um, acting district attorney at the time, the current district attorney now, Mr. Conaty, um said that it was really due to the county attorney's um, inability to approve the request from Child Protective Services to remove this child that this unfortunate and horrible event ended up happening. So this grand jury was looking into the county attorney's conduct, also as well as the um, Child Protective Services conduct and how this horrible thing happened and how to prevent it in the
0: future. Okay, but they're, they're not done looking into that, is that what you're saying?
2: So the grant they concluded the grand jury is done um, i don 't think that they they haven't necessarily implemented their recommendations, um, but yes, they concluded that the county's attorney's office should not be responsible for child protective services legal representation moving forward okay so largely they did throughout the grand jury investigation find that um, there wasn't a great working relationship between the county attorney's office and Child Protective Services.
0: Okay, and we, we kind of already knew that, I think. Like, uh, uh, when when this horrible thing happened, we had the county attorney saying one thing, and I think it was the county district attorney saying another in terms yeah. of the culpability, right? Does this yeah. decision resolve that?
2: I mean, from reading the 100 pages, which I did, it definitely paints a picture of before, just to give some more context to it, there was uh, Child Protective Services had their own legal team who would carry out these requests to remove children from these situations. And it wasn't until 2021 that the county attorney's office took over that responsibility And when that happened, if you look at the number of um, removals and petitions that have been filed, there was a lot less when the county attorney was in charge. And there wasn't a decrease in, you know, the number of incidents of potential um, abuse or neglect happening. So that's that's one, like, very stark fact. Um, But... In um, to Mid Hudson News, Mr. McGuire maintains that um, he does not believe that it was the county attorney's fault that this
3: happened. Right.
2: Despite the grand jury's conclusion that they're definitely, um, they should go back to um, having a legal department separate from the county attorney's office.
0: Wow. All right. Well, thanks for wading through those hundred pages to, to explain this to us because it is. Uh, it is confusing and again there's even even now people still saying uh differing things about it but essentially Maguire's out of the picture in terms of uh county attorney. Yes. So now to the legislature itself uh were you following what ha- has been going on how was their first legislative meeting?
2: Yeah, it was it went really well. There was definitely an air of unity and people seemed very um excited to there was discussions of reinstating kind of speaking in professionally to one another, um, following procedure, and wanting to work together across the aisle in order to pass legislation and um, improve Sullivan County more generally.
0: And was was the public weighing in yet? I know that the people were looking are, and still people are looking for their county government to do things. But following the election, people were very much animated, saying, "Well, they should do this; they should do that." We were hearing from members of the public telling us what they thought the county legislature should do. Uh, was there? Did you happen to catch any public input at this first meeting?
2: There was no there was no public uh, comment. There was just swearing in. But tomorrow will be the the next, you know, meeting of the county legislature in which public um, comment will open. And so I'm sure that uh, people will weigh in on what they expect of their representatives.
0: Okay. And, you know, uh, so that's, that's when the rubber will hit the road. Things will actually start happening. It's tomorrow.
2: Yeah. And I think that in terms of just this one thing that definitely will be discussed is this grand jury conclusion that came out. There was more than just a recommendation for um, the county attorney to no longer be providing um, legal services for child protective services, but they talked about in the report recommendations of rethinking of the use of motels for vulnerable populations in Sullivan County, um, Sullivan County creating its own drug treatment facility. So this jury was looking at kind of a wider range of what led to this horrible event and multiple different things that the legislature could potentially do to prevent something like this from happening. So this, this, this offers a really big jumping off point for them.
0: Yeah, I'll say. And, uh, uh and, and just as you, you were saying like this I, I expect that we'll hear from the public, not just in general, but in particular in response to this, because again, this was a horrible thing and uh people have been waiting to hear about this. Um uh, we've we've got maybe uh two more minutes. Do you have anything else you wanna touch on quick?
2: Yeah, sure. I can give um a quick a quick synopsis of of, of something else, changing subjects a little. And that would be Um, so we did a kind of quick investigation on, um, academic eligibility and social events that are sanctioned by the school. And this came out of this incident in which this girl and her friends, um, were kicked out of a school dance in Eldred because they were academically ineligible. And although there was other things in that story, like the parents weren't notified and that's where the concern came from, this led to this investigation of why do we still have these academic ineligibility requirements, are they necessary, and people were very um, mixed. So a lot of people think that it's outdated and that we shouldn't have these anymore, and a lot of people were saying how, you know, they feel they're more old school and that it, you know, enforces a standard of, you know, Getting, getting your homework done. Um, and I think it really in the face of mental health, a mental health crisis, especially among this age group of like 13, 14, 15, um, and 16 year olds, that it was a question. But basically both on the Pennsylvania side and on the New York side in the River Valley towns, almost all of these schools have academic eligibility requirements to attend social events like school dances. Um, And it was interesting that the only outlier was Wall and Paul Pack. Um, In their district, they they don't have those. And Dr. R.J. Starnes, the assistant superintendent in that district, um, he was saying how he really thinks that the children who actually, like, would be left out of these events because of these requirements are the people who, like, need them most and that it brings them into the community, off their phones, and to in-person events. So which is interesting to hear the very mixed perspective from the community on this and how it is seen in the school requirements.
0: Absolutely. Ruby, I want to I want thank you so much for taking the time to go over all this uh, with us live tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. And now moving on uh here in uh on the local edition. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And we are going, you know, yesterday, live on air, we heard New York's Governor Kathy Hochul give her state of the state address. And uh then we got our results. We got a response from Senator Oberacker yesterday. Now here's Aileen Gunther reacting. She's the assembly one for New York's uh, 100th Assembly District.
4: I just want to guess your thoughts on the governor's state of the state, the latest state of the state. How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts on it? What things you liked? What things you didn't like?
1: So I, I think that as Chair of Mental Hygiene in the state of New York, I was really excited to hear about the expanded services that's going to happen in New York State and especially in schools, creating clinics in schools. And also, I think that, that also the support for first responders. And uh I, I think that's important. And she put $6 billion into this pro these programs, which I think is amazing. And I think a lot of our kids going through COVID and it's been difficult time for parents, et cetera. So it's so I think that this is the right thing to do. We want healthy children and with that grow into healthy adults.
4: Yeah, absolutely. She's proposing school based mental health clinic for every school. And, and
1: and it's got you got the captive audience. A lot of parents work two jobs. They can bring a child here, there, and everywhere. As far as like a pediatric psychiatrist and kid psychiatrists, they're few and far between. So utilization of people that have experience with children and social workers, et cetera, it's all important. And to yeah. you know, make sure that we put money into making our children healthy. Right. Now what, whatever uh, happened to a nurse in every school, remember those days? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Remember? Now, uh,
4: yeah. But Talking about housing, another big issue that we have here in Southern County in your your district is housing, the lack of affordable housing. And she's making proposals of uh, long-term housing for uh, a new housing units to be constructed on state land owned. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I I think that housing is a necessity for everyone. And affordable housing and low-income housing is very, very important. We have a lot of kids living in hotels. We've seen, you know, the aftermath of what happens with that. So I really think that, you know, it's it's so important to have housing. And I think that the investment is important and especially in Sullivan County our housing. uh We just don't have a lot of housing in our community that's affordable to many.
4: Anything in the governor's statement speech that the maybe baby- short fell short on some goals or initiatives that you would like to have seen
1: when i i think housing is very important to me i think the mental health issue is important to me the other thing that um i I really um focused on is sullivan county and drugs and overdose things like that and i actually talked to her staff today and i said we had Catholic charities. We had 20 beds for people that wanted to go into recovery and to do it closer to family and home. A lot of people don't have cars here. And the fact that they're closing those beds and the length of stay has to be more than four, five, six days. First you recover, you detox, and then you need a lot of help in terms of withdrawal and all those kinds of things and making sure people, we send them out healthy human beings and continue their care. After their discharge, and I think it's very important. It's not going to work unless we put the men, the people people in place and the money in place.
4: Absolutely. Now, Sullivan County doesn't have an intake center. Do you think an intense, intake center of some sorts would uh, alleviate some problems?
1: I do. I do. And when somebody's addicted, it's a family issue. And, you know, we need the access to social workers and people can't pay for it right now. They're so expensive. A psychiatrist, this we have one child psychiatrist, I think, in Sullivan County. And I mean, the waiting list is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And, you know, these kinds of things, when a child goes through any kind of a panic attack or anything, you need to be seen right away. And the emergency room is someplace that many people go but it's not the appropriate placement for somebody.
4: Aileen, before we go, anything else that we haven't touched on you want folks to know?
1: You know, just it's going to be right now we're in deficit mode in the New York State Assembly. And, you know, I'm going to continue to fight for all the things that are necessary for our schools, for our hospitals, for the housing issues and making sure that, um, you you know, as far as mental health belt, Etc. that we get our fair share. And, you know, I had a conversation with like, Kathy Hochul's folks today. And I said, sometimes I'm a little disappointed that we don't get our fair share. We pay taxes. We work hard in our community. We're very dedicated. We love our community. And we need everything that the Bronx need, but maybe on a smaller scale. We're
4: well, talking to Aileen Gunther, Assembly Member for the War Hunters District, letting us know her thoughts on uh, the Governor Hochul's latest state of the state. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. Really appreciate it. Thank
1: you so much and glad to see you. Happy New Year.
0: And another edition of the Sullivan County LGBTQIA Town Hall is happening Thursday, January 18th, starting at 7. It's happening on Zoom. Radio Catskill spoke to Julie Gray Owens, Executive Director of Gender Equality for New York, and also with Alan Carroll from Sullivan County's Cornell Cooperative Extension. And also talk to Marty Calavino from Salt Southern Allies Leading Together. they started off by describing how the last town
6: hall went. What we did was we did a a very quick training on basically a gender 101. We talked a little bit about biological sex, gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Just to have everyone uh, have the same uh, concepts, understand the same concepts, use the same terminology. Everyone would feel baseline, would have a baseline of information and understanding. And then we opened up the floor for comments and discussion. And I have to tell you that I walked away feeling very distressed about the LGBT community in Sullivan County and some of the discrimination, the prejudice, the bias, and the unsafe feelings that community members had up there. And I was very happy to be a part of, uh, you know, being asked to come up uh, and help out. And uh, it was clear to us when we remet after the meeting that this had to go on further. There, there had to be more work. There had to be more training. There had to be more information given to community members and there had to be more linking uh of community members to each other. Uh unfortunately, you know, we all live in our little silos, and it's important to uh come together to build some community strength uh together. So this coming event, number one, we held it on Zoom because we felt that perhaps the weather might be a problem. Rather than do that, we felt that it would be better at least in January to not wait until we could get together when the weather would be nicer, but to instead have something sooner rather than later, but also continue the discussion of what's happening up in Sullivan County. And to point out to community members in Sullivan, their ability to bond together and create strength and to create power. Uh, and one of the things that we'll be doing at the event, we'll be doing a presentation on uh, advocacy and why everyone should be involved in advocacy and by advocacy I'm not talking about marching in the street necessarily, although that's always a, a tool in the toolkit, but it's knowing who your your elected leaders are. It's reaching out to them and making them aware of who you are uh, and reaching out to them and letting them know the issues that you feel are important that they may not even be aware of. I take a lot of trips up to Albany, and I can't tell you how many times I've visited various senators from across the state, specifically on trans issues. And they'll say to me, I don't have any trans people in my district. I've never seen a trans person. No one's ever contacted me. And so when I hear people who are anti-trans, I have to go with that because I, don't think I have the guiding trans people in my district. Uh, and it's simply a situ- situation where community members haven't made themselves be uh, open and, and out and make their elective leaders aware of the fact that, yes, indeed, you are representing me and you need to be aware of these issues that are important to me. So we hope to get a sprinkle a little of that pixie dust, if you will, on the community in, in January. Uh, actually um, next week, and uh, get people to start communicating to each other, connecting with each other, and create power, which is really the only way that we can make changes.
3: I hope that helps a little bit.
4: Yeah, it definitely does.
6: Marty, you can talk about you know the
4: collaboration between SALT and how did SALT get involved in this Town Hall series.
3: We got involved with it because people allowed us to. Both Judy, Dana, Halpern, Alan, other strong leaders in the community allowed us to, number one. And number two, we got involved because it makes sense, because if somebody allows you to be who you are, can you ever really be that person, right? We're who we are. And if somebody allows me to be who I am, I don't know if I could ever really finally realize who I am. And we're talking about just understanding that we're on this, this world together and that we are who we are. We should be loved for who we are. And we should be considered for who we are.
5: Alan, if you could talk about the, the format of uh, the evening, how that is going to unfold. Uh. So we do have, we will have introductions like we had last time and there will be a presentation on how we can use advocacy as a part of our toolbox and making good change in our community. And then there will be a time for discussion amongst community members so they can present how they, things they want to change, how they Think that we can accomplish that kind of change, and how we can collaborate to work better together.
4: Julie, you could talk about some of the uh, some if you could talk publicly some of the ideas that came out on the last came out of the last uh, town hall.
6: I can talk specifically about some of the issues that we heard, which really became you know situations where uh, people moved in, LGBT members moved in, and had uh, you know uh, the term faggot scratched into the finish of their car maybe had their pride flag ripped down and uh, the the flagstaff broken. We had community members tell us that they were afraid to park in the parking lot of the uh, facility that we were holding the event at, afraid that people might see them going in. And so they parked their car a couple blocks away and then walked to the event because they were afraid that if someone saw them get out of their car and go in there, that the car might be damaged. So this is the kind of thing that really, to me, was at least eye-opening and obviously concerning. And I don't think, to be perfectly blunt, I don't think this is a Sullivan County issue. I think this is a New York State issue. We still see this type of thing on Long Island as well, but maybe not as, I'll call it drastic as far as that goes. I mean, we have situations where we have libraries trying to ban LGBT books and that type of thing, and we've pushed back hard enough that it was stopped. But what we're looking at is, you know, we're looking at a more suburban setting where Sullivan County is obviously more rural. And people are, again, miles, perhaps miles away from each other, which makes it you know, harder to organize, harder to be together, and harder to create that power that we really need to create. And I don't mean power in a negative or evil way. What I'm talking about is just making people aware of the fact that, hey, we exist. We are a community of people. We deserve the same respect as everyone else. And we simply want the same rights that everyone else has to live to be able to provide for our family, to be happy and not to be fearful. What was some of the, did you get a reaction from the town hall series that they
4: didn't want to come up to you and tell you how how important it was for them or any stories like that?
6: I can tell you a lot of people came up to me. I don't know if Marty, whether you had some, but I mean, it was a, it was really interesting to see at the end that there were people that felt, I think they felt um, relieved, believe it or not, that, that. We were actually talking about these issues that instead of having it pent up, this anger of like, why are they doing this to me? It's not fair. It's not right. We were talking about it. We were poking at it. We were putting it on the table to be examined and to be looked at um, and ultimately, hopefully to work on things that will provide a positive uh, reinforcement of who we are and what we want.
4: Absolutely. I like say we live in a rural area and, and uh, events like this or uh, discussions like this usually happen to more for uh, urban areas. Uh, so this happened on Zoom. So how can folks get involved who haven't been in the last town hall series? Want to get be part of this discussion on Zoom? Where do they have to go? What information can they find? Marty, or
3: I'll say, Julie. We blasted a flyer that has the link and the QR code. If it's not, if they're the same thing. But if people want to find out more about it, they can always either call me at 845 Or they can email me at martin, M-A-R-T-I-N, Colavito, C-O-L-A-V-I-T-O, 1234 at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to navigate them to this event. Absolutely.
4: Before we go, any last statements, Julie, Alan, or Marty? Yeah, I, did...
3: I would... It, 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 you asked before if, if folks came and gave feedback and one yes, person Marty. one person during the event uh, towards the end of it made a statement and, and it resonated with me two ways right? and the statement was they never feel safe in the county but they always feel safe with salt all right. Now I'm not saying that to pat salt on the back because at first I felt really good but then I felt really sad that anybody would have to feel unsafe and we're probably not the sharpest knives in the drawer, and we can figure this out. And I'm confident that most of our neighbors can figure it out as well and just realize we're all neighbors. People could always log into salted dot com and get the information as well. Before we go anything you wanted to say?
5: Um, the last event, I was actually just a participant and it inspired me to get more involved.
4: Okay, so you went there the first series, not part of the organization, and you got inspired from what happened to get involved. Can you talk more yes. about
5: that? It, I was already doing some activism and being part of a board of another organization, but I realized that there's a lot more work to do here in Sullivan County, and it got me to step up. And I think that the more we present ourselves and the more we put ourselves out there, the safer this community is for everyone.
4: Absolutely.
6: Yeah, on our end, I, I just want to add the work that we're doing in Sullivan County, I'd like to see us reproduce it in other counties around the state. I think that the Sullivan County group is truly an amazing group of people that are really stepping out to make a change. And we, my organization, is going to be looking for people like that in other counties to do exactly the same type of work that we're doing here in Sullivan County. I think Sullivan County is a perfect example of what needs to be done across the state on a local level. Uh, because it's important for people to understand that, for example, not many people probably do, for example, library, library board uh, elections or town councils, but those people will eventually be state legislators, many of them. And as a result, if you don't get them early and make them aware of the issues, when they go up to Albany, they know nothing. And then the work really is very hard, uh, for us to have to, you know, make change. So we really want to get these people early to get, start understanding our, our issues and start promoting the fact that, again, we're just a community of people that want what everyone else has. We want to be safe. We want to be happy. We want to ha- live in a place where we're all welcomed and we enjoy all the beauty
4: that New York State can offer. Julie, Alan, Marty, thank you so much for joining me on the program. We're talking about the upcoming Sullivan County LBGTQIA Plus Town Hall that's happening on Thursday, January eighteenth, starting at 7 p.m. on Zoom. Thank you so much. Appreciate it you coming on to the program for radio catskill i'm patricio rabayo
0: thank you patricio thanks again to ruby and thank you for listening do keep listening and always catch our live stream at wjffradio.org it's wjffradio.org Daily is up next. First, we'll hear the latest headlines from NPR. I'll also give you a quick look at the weather for tonight. Overcast and the low down to 29. Cloudy tomorrow with a few flurries or snow showers possible. The high around 35. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night. Overnight low down to 28. Looks like snow will be returning Friday night into Saturday and turning into